Hello, and welcome to Big Fish in the Talent Pool with your host, Aaron Peterson, partner and global talent acquisition consultant with People Results. In each episode, Aaron interviews a corporate head of talent acquisition to shine a light on how they got there, what keeps them up at night, and their views on all the hot topics in TA today. There's nothing Erin is afraid to ask because she's been there. Now here's your host, Erin Peterson. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 12 of Big Fish in the Talent Pool. Before we jump right into my super fun conversation with Allison Cruz of K-Force, I have some really exciting news about the podcast. We were recently listed on Select Software Review's 100 Top HR and Recruiting Podcasts. We're listed as number six, in fact, and I'm honored and humbled that my little labor of love podcast has been noticed by Phil Strazulia, who curates the list and then picked up by Hung Lee of Recruiting Brain Food. A huge thank you to them and to all my loyal listeners. Now on with our next guest. One of the most enjoyable parts of being a TA leader is seeing the people on your team grow into their own leadership styles and roles. I've been fortunate to see this happen a handful of times, and I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with me. These people were on their way to being leaders regardless, but it is gratifying when they leave the nest and fly on their own and become the leaders that you knew they could be. That's what happened with Allison Cruz, and you'll understand why when you hear her describe her path and her passion for recruitment marketing. I'm a fan, and I know you will enjoy the conversation I had with her at the Social Recruiting Strategies Conference in Philadelphia. Enjoy. So I am here at the Social Recruiting Strategy Conference in beautiful Philadelphia with Allison Cruz. And um, Allison, you were the keynote speaker yesterday, so that was really exciting on uh, day one. And I was really excited because Allison and I know each other personally. We worked together at Aon Hewitt on the RPO team. And um, that was the organization that was eventually acquired by People Scout. And I'm just really proud of the work we did in building that RPO team, primarily because we emphasize sourcing and branding uh, expertise on the team to be able to serve our clients in a new way that I felt no other RPO was, was doing it. Allison, now you're with K-Force as a director of marketing for them. And of course, there's always a close association between recruiting and marketing, and K-Force is a recruitment firm, so it makes sense. Uh, you focus on internal uh, social media, branding, marketing, content, expertise, and it's just awesome. So I'm going to quit talking now and let you talk, <laughs> um, because I really want to know how that's been for you, how you got there, how that fits into your longer-term plan. So we'll get around to all that. Um, Let's talk about your background really quickly first, though. You went to Michigan State for your undergrad in psychology, and then you got your master's in clinical psych. So it seems to me, with that kind of an educational background, you were headed for something more um, working with people with mental illness or perhaps something in more of a social um, justice area. What? Tell me, mm -hmm. how, how did that work out going into recruiting, given that background? Yes, so I did a 180 for sure, um, and it turned out that, you know, I, I found my path 
Um, I had gone to, I decided in high school that I love psychology. And so I went to Michigan State and completed my bachelor's degree and didn't really try anything else because I just had my sights set on being a uh, family practitioner um, and having my own practice. Uh -huh. So that was my goal. I was going to get my PhD and, um, and start my own practice for, for children and families. So, um, right before I was to start my PhD program, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia and I had just moved to Ohio with my boyfriend at the time and was going to start school there in Ohio and was driving back to Michigan to be with him every weekend. Um, well, he was sick for a year and a half, ultimately passed away, but I had deferred school to take care of him and help my mom out. Um, <clears throat> right after you know he passed away, I jumped right back into the doctorate program and I packed up my stuff after he passed away and moved across the country by myself to San Diego to go to school. Wow. I left my entire support network behind because I just was in go mode of just, you know, losing him and that trauma of, of losing him. I didn't give myself time to just reset and check in and like, is this still what I want to do? I jumped right in, became very depressed, mm -hmm. felt guilty for leaving my mom, you know, sure. back home. Um, and the, the material that I was studying was very emotional. I mean, I was studying trauma for children like, oh and children with trauma. So it was just a lot of dark, heavy pain. And, and even though I knew I was studying it because, you know, ultimately I would help and do a lot of good. It just, um, I wasn't in the best place to, to do that. And so after ha about halfway through that doctorate program, I decided to take a break, moved back home to Illinois. Um, back in with my mom, you know, mm -hmm. to be with her. And I went to a, just randomly, I went to a tech cocktail event, which is a networking event in Chicago for tech, mm -hmm. for tech professionals. And I was passing out gumballs that looked like little baseballs because I was there with my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> and he, and I was helping drive traffic to his table at this event. And I met Harvey Daniels, who was the head of staffing at the American oh, Medical Association. Interesting. And he said, Allison, you really know how to talk to people. Have you thought about recruiting? Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, well, what does that mean? What's recruiting? You know, mm -hmm. and I was thinking like something for the army or the navy, like that kind right. of recruiter. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, no, you know, here's here's what being a recruiter is all about. And you get to help people make an impact. So it was a way, that was my way in. You have spent time um, not only at the AMA, where you started, mm -hmm. it sounds like, and uh, then uh, in executive search, you've been at Northwestern Mutual, yep. at Walgreens, yep. and then eventually made your way to Aon Hewitt, which is where we met. Um, and now you're a marketing director. You've been at K-Force for five years. You lead their content and social media strategies. Yep. So. That happened when... Um, Actually, it's, it started at Northwestern Mutual right before Walgreens, and they, I, was teaching, um, I was teaching our financial reps how to use LinkedIn, because LinkedIn was very hot and up and coming at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I was teaching them how to actually print out their connections like, on paper <laughs> yeah. and bring yeah. it and ask for referrals that way and build their business mm -hmm. by using LinkedIn. Smart. So from like a sales perspective, um, even though I was, you know, a recruiter, 
I was started doing that and then it turned into referrals for jobs at Northwestern Mutual. Mm -hmm. So I actually broke a 30 year record for a number of hires in a quarter at Northwestern Mutual because I was really using, I was like just totally lit up by this whole LinkedIn thing mm -hmm. and using that in a way that hadn't been used before. Um, so I was there, I, I, I saw this job with Walgreens I couldn't pass up, so I ended up leaving Northwestern Mutual, but I did meet my husband, so it was a good experience because right. I met him there <laughs> on my third day on the job, yes. I met my husband, um, so it was good. But yeah, at Walgreens then, I came in as a sourcer. Mm -hmm. I was actually the first sourcer at mm -hmm. Walgreens. Okay. Another feather in my cap I get to clean. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was on a small team of sourcers. And there wasn't anything at Walgreens that was career focused. So, you know, sure we had, we were on social media, like the corporate brand and, and run by the corporate marketing team, but we did not have anything that was, that was TA focused or talent mm -hmm. focused at all. And so because of my, my newfound passion of social media and LinkedIn and what it can do, um, I started the, I started a Twitter handle just for careers at Walgreens. Cool. I started a LinkedIn group um, mm -hmm. just for careers and just was falling in love so I was doing my job but then my interest took me to take on kind of a second role at the same time mm -hmm. so I was working hard I mean I was really you know busting myself because I had to do a great job with what I was hired for but then my passions led me to take on this whole new world wow. too. very cool and the pattern that I keep hearing in these stories is new stuff you yes. get really jazzed by new stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? It's true. Yeah. Love it. Okay. We're definitely going to come back to that. Um, so uh, in addition to all this amazing career that you've built, you also spend time volunteering. Lamb's Farm, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, mm -hmm. Orphans of the Storm. Um, you even spent some time in Thailand yes. doing tsunami relief. So mm -hmm. what should I infer from all of those not-for-profit con connections and how do you make time for that? Um, it's an outlet and you know what's interesting um, because right now I volunteer at Lamb's Farm and Lamb's Farm is a community in Libertyville, Illinois mm -hmm. where um, adults with disabilities can live and work and um, there's all sorts of activities and things that you know that are fun for them to do and I went to Lamb's Farm to volunteer with the animals, but then I'm falling in love with the people because now I have these wonderful relationships with people I might not normally get to cross paths with, you know, so um, it's a it's a way for me to have um, those connections in person because I do work from home. So I so the Association of Talent Acquisition Professionals, which I love because it's the first global, truly global professional association for talent acquisition folks. Um, you're on the board. So tell me, how did that happen? Jerry Crispin, so mm -hmm. another key point person, you sure. know, in my career path, um, approached me with you know, here's here's ATEP, this is what it's about, and um, you know, we're looking for a board. And so I threw my hat in the ring and mm -hmm. um, was chosen, was selected to be on the board. Yeah. The reason why I wanted to be a part of it immediately when he was telling me about it is that I, I loved the idea of building a community, like you said, global. Mm -hmm. You know, building this global com community where we can come together and problem solve and build each other up and share, you know, share stories, share thought leadership. And I've been in roles, actually several times in my career, I've been the first of my kind at a company. Mm -hmm. um, there's been times where I've been like the only one doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn 
externally. You know, I wasn't like I was getting this training internally sure. yeah. that I needed to be good at my job. So I would seek out communities externally, which I think is is completely fine. But that's mm-hmm. what that's what really um, I love about ATAP is this. Let's all come together and solve problems together. In your keynote yesterday, you talked about a concept called employee advocacy, and I thought it was particularly interesting. Tell my listeners more about that and how you're executing that at KForce. Yeah, so employee advocacy, um, it, it does mean different things in different settings. And so um, what I was talking about in my presentation is any kind of program where you're suggesting content or providing content to your employees and encouraging them to share um, with their networks. And so in a nutshell, that's what it is. And there's, you know, there's, um, there's a wide range of how people actually facilitate and set this up, this program up, you know, and some, some companies have, you know, um, maybe a platform that, that they, you know, a technology platform that's running the program. I've just done it for, for free with, with the resources we've already have. And, and basically the way the program works is my team curates or creates content and then sends it to all employees twice a week via email. And it's always optional and they can choose to share it or not. Um, but we have quite a few recruiters you know, at our company, obviously being a staffing firm, so giving them high quality content that's going to provide value to their network as a resource, um, you know, really goes a long way because we hear time and time again, people trust their peers over brands. You know, they mm-hmm. want to hear from people like them. So if anybody's considering, you know, joining K-Force or working with K-Force in some capacity, they want to hear it from the employees, you know, and that message is going to resonate. That same message could be sent out by, you know, my marketing team on our corporate channels it'll resonate much differently if it's coming from an employee. Yeah, so totally agree. (laughs) So you basically make it easy for them to share content that's um, Mm pre-written, brand compliant, Mm -hmm. and uh, takes advantage of the strategy that has been put together already. Yes. By K-Force. That's, you know, a big benefit is is I know they don't have the time or maybe they don't know how or maybe they're nervous of saying the wrong thing. So mm-hmm. it is a service that we're providing our employees. And the cool perk that I didn't um, anticipate of the program is it's also educating them. It's keeping them, you know, abreast of these things right. where maybe they wouldn't normally be reading so much content that is tied to our industry and the, and the customers that we serve. But by me giving them that content, it's like giving them a little digest too so the perk is that they're they're learning about you know different things that are impacting our customers um, and they're also learning content marketing they might not know it but they are learning content marketing so in addition to uh, sharing content and making sure it's high quality what do you think are the other you know kind of two or three things on the to-do list for a leader especially a leader who is in your area Mm -hmm. focused on content and brand yeah so um, that's a great question so there's there's different stats and numbers out there, but the one I hear over and over again is that candidates are using 12 to 18 touch points with your brand before they make the decision to apply mm-hmm. to your job. Mm-hmm. So that's 12 to 18. We have to make those count. So as a TA leader, first of all, definitely apply to your own jobs, you know, mm-hmm. and see what that process is like. Yeah. But then do an audit of your of your content. What like see it through the eyes of that candidate. What is that candidate seeing or not seeing? What's missing? 
Um, and as you think through this candidate journey and these 12 to 18 touch points, are you giving a candidate what they need to be an informed candidate to know whether or not to apply to your jobs? Mm -hmm. Because it's not about, it's not a numbers game. It's not like we want, you know, a million applicants to every job. You know, we right. want the right people to apply, <laughs> the right people to apply and move forward, but they need to be informed in order to do that. So as a TA leader, that's a, that's a very long-winded um, answer to your short question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... In the EVP and branding space, especially, the talent acquisition leader who has responsibility for EVP, in addition to process and outcomes, mm -hmm. has to make some tough decisions. So let's say a given leader has a budget for only two tech solutions. What would you put on the top of their priority list specifically for EVP and branding? So, you know, I would say the first priority would be a person, a full-time person. I think that right now in this digital age where there's just so much content saturation out there and how important those touch points with a brand are to a candidate, have somebody on your team that can make this his or her life and understands it and gets it and will drive things forward. Mm -hmm. So I would say a person would be <laughs> would be mm -hmm. the first thing because you could have the best technology or the tools in the world, but if you don't have the knowledge that you need of how to use that, you know, you're kind of uh, throwing money away probably, yeah. you know, because you don't know how to maintain that, set it up, maintain it, and what you're doing and define those objectives. So I would say that um, probably the, the second one would be anything that can measure the performance of your programs. So, you know, having the right technology where you can run analytics, like we have a, a really great reporting team and they study our content performance on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. And we talk about it for an hour and a half in our analytics party, we call it. Uh -huh. um, and we and then I make decisions based on the data of what's working, what's not per channel, per audience type, per persona. So I think that um, data is just incredibly important. So having some kind of mechanism that allows you to capture that data um, and then analyze it is really mm -hmm. important to have a data-driven strategy. So the picture I'm getting in my head of these data parties is that it's not only quantitative, but it's qualitative as mm -hmm. well, that you've got the data, yep. but there's a meeting where you also take feedback and discuss it. Am That's I right? right. And yeah. so, so what, what kinds of things are you discussing? So we'll do, so for an example, we'll do A-B testing on the same piece of content. So let's say we have an original content piece, a blog article. Um, we will test different uh, promotion, uh, like creatives for promotion. So we'll have like maybe a still image and we'll test that, that drives back to the blog article. And then we'll have a short video clip that's driving back to the blog article. Did the video perform better or did the image? Also, what type of image? So we sometimes will just have like an image on social media that has just the title and the author of the blog, blog article. And it's beautifully designed and it's an original you know, piece created by our creative services team. And we'll test that versus a funny meme or some kind of joke, some uh -huh. kind of humor. Humor always has won <laughs> for our audience. So we could have the most beautiful graphic in the world, but yeah. that meme is going to drive more traffic back to the blog article. Isn't but that it's social media. Always the way it is That's social it, media. You know? It is. Also, I think leaders have known for decades that humor makes you remember things. Yes. And humor drives... Mm -hmm. A connection emotionally That's so right. it makes sense to me that's yeah. right and it works and I had to learn that sort of the hard way because I think a few years ago I was thinking for LinkedIn it's got to be buttoned up 
and it's got to be business-like. And then I was like, okay, well, let me think of like maybe our most buttoned up executive, you know, let's say it's like a CFO. Yeah. That CFO still has a sense of humor. That yeah. CFO is still a person, yeah. you know, that's going to appreciate some lo yeah. levity in their timelines, you know? We're Love living it. in a very serious world right now. Yes, and if, we are. if my brand can make somebody smile or brighten their day, that's a win. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So l let's talk about another flavor of the day, which I have noticed, especially in a lot of the content at this conference, and that is personas. Mm -hmm. Everybody's talking about the personas, which of course <laughs> we know is kind of fueled by design thinking mm -hmm. applied to uh, talent acquisition. So how important is it in your opinion to have that a TA leader has a handle on the personas, mm -hmm. the very specific personas fleshed out and documented mm -hmm. um, that they're hiring for? And I think that it is important for TA leaders to understand the concept of personas, not that they're not going to work at every organization because personas are a lot of work and it's not a one and done situation. You're constantly, ideally, you're constantly testing that persona, testing different content, different um, marketing vehicles, you know, for that persona. So they're always a work in progress. You know, they, they never should be like collecting dust on a shelf. Not every organization can do that. And so something that I mentioned in my keynote yesterday is Personas are important, but really it's the concept of understanding who you're trying to connect with. That's what's important. Maybe you don't have the resources to build out like an actual robust persona. That's okay. I don't want people to be discouraged. I think just understanding the concept of understanding what drives the person you're trying to reach. Understanding, so from a TA perspective, the candidates, what questions are they asking? Mm -hmm. What do they need to know? What are their pain points? And understanding that even if you have just some bullet points, that's going to help feed your content strategy, your social media strategy, just a basic understanding. All right. So what would you say to a young professional who comes to you for advice mm -hmm. and they, they come to you and say, Allison, I want to be a leader and I just don't know how to get there. What advice do you have? Well, I would say uh, I would have a lot of advice I would, and I would I would start with saying trust your gut and really explore because something that you and I were talking about earlier is that being like actually managing people isn't for everybody you know and some people might try it and just they would rather be an individual contributor and that's fine so I would say like really think really do some searching do you want to be responsible for other people because you have to, there's a very selfless part of that. You can't just do your own work and just be heads down, focus on your own work. Now you're also responsible for other people. And so, you know, you need to be, you need to want that, you know, I think you need to want to do that. I've worked for managers that shouldn't be managers, you know, because they were just into their own stuff and they weren't, they weren't making sure they were carving out time to invest, you know, in my work, you know, mm -hmm. as their employees. So. I would say, you know, if you want to be a leader, there's different ways that you can lead and influence. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have direct reports and a manager. Mm -hmm. um, you can influence in a variety of ways. Um, so I would say to a young person, just just do some soul searching and figure out if that's what you want to do. Also know that there's going to be some jobs that you don't like, that you hate, and sometimes we have to just stick with that for a while. Okay. You know, if you're if you take a job and um, you end up not liking it make the most of that situation what can you learn stay positive definitely never bad mouth an employer or a manager like don't do that you know and i think that that's a mistake a lot of young people make is that they're just so 
open and honest during an interview set setting where they're like, oh, my manager was a jerk and this and that. And yeah. don't do that. No. <laughs> don't do that. Take the high no. road. Be positive. Not think, even in the spirit of transparency and authenticity and all those should. buzzwords we hear a lot. I it's, just don't. I don't think mm -hmm. you should. I mean, because some some professions are very small world. I think TA is a small world. So if I'm bad mouthing, you know, another TA leader to another TA leader, that just makes me look bad. That's going to be damaging to my personal brand. Take the high road. Have you know conversations with people that you trust, but don't don't do it in a professional setting. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to be. We don't have to say a hundred percent of what's on our mind all of the time. Right. I don't think that's it. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, say more about you know if you're in a role that you're not loving, but it makes sense to just stick it out and yeah. get the learnings from it. What what would be an example of that? Yeah, so, um, you know, I was in sales for a while and I just found that it really wasn't for me and I, I wasn't enjoying it. I was actually dreading every Sunday night, pit in my stomach, I didn't want to go to work on Monday. Um, but I was determined to get something out of it because I had only been there a couple of weeks. I'm like, you know, I need to pay my bills. I need to pay my rent. I need a job. Um, I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to be positive and I'm going to find something that I can learn from this situation, some mm -hmm. skill, something about myself. Um, I'm going to build relationships, you know, with people while I'm here. And this is my brand, my career. So, you know, somebody once told me, Nobody will ever care about your career as much as you do. And it just means like invest in your own career and find something that you can take out of it. Even, even a bad situation, what can you learn from it and yeah. move on? Right. You know, and I, and I don't think, I think job hopping, you know, I think is just a lot more acceptable now. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying like you have to stay there for years, but I also don't think you should try a job for two weeks and then quit if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. I think that I think you do need to stick out a little bit, find out what you can learn, and then move on. Right. So, I love that, and and there is something about um, tenacity, grit, mm -hmm. pushing through. You know that sometimes comes from a situation that you just didn't like. That's I right. will also um, say a, a word about sales in particular in talent acquisition. I love people in talent acquisition who have had some sales job at some point in their career mm -hmm. because I think that it gives you a thicker skin. Yes. It teaches you to take rejection. Am I right? Yes. Yes. So Absolutely. I also spent a little time in sales very early in my career and oh. that's exactly what I learned. I was like, I can do anything now because <laughs> I have powering. been rejected so many times. And, and you know, as a recruiter, you're going to be rejected there too. Yes. You know, candidates mm -hmm. are going to turn down your offer. They're not going to return your phone call. Right. You know, maybe they won't even show up on their first day. It's going to happen, right. you know, so. Yeah. And recruiting is sales. It's just a different kind of sales. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, good. How, how much time do you spend excuse me, learning about new technologies and new processes? What, you know, as a leader, yeah. it's harder and harder to carve out that time. So how much time do you spend learning about new things? So um, probably on average a week, I would say maybe one to two hours a week. Mm -hmm. um, and I do that through podcasts. And so... Mm -hmm. I know that for myself, I need balance and I need to be outside and walking my dog and be out there, but that's a great time for me to be learning. And so I enjoy listening to cool. podcasts wow. when I'm out in the prairie or out in the forest with my dog. That's what I'm doing. Awesome. Um, but the other way is I have a book club with my team. Cool. And I started it maybe a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. and it is with both my social team and my content team. And it's a great way for all five of us to be together and close out a week. We like to have them on a Friday. Mm -hmm. And the first 
book that we read was Everybody Writes by Anne Hanley, mm -hmm. and we would assign, we would take turns facilitating because I didn't want it to just be me. I talk mm -hmm. enough, <laughs> yeah. so I wanted to, you know, give everybody a chance to lead the conversation for that week. And we would assign out a chapter, and then the facilitator would also assign out homework and say, okay, read this chapter, and now bring what we're currently working on, bring current work, and look at how it's going to improve based on what we just learned in that chapter. Wow. So we were physically learning together. You know, we would have a, a LinkedIn post and say, this is the original. After reading this and learning this, here's how we would then rewrite it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just been tremendous. You can, you can visibly see how much our social media posts and our content has improved by learning together and going through this book club process. Outstanding. So sometimes we'll do eBooks or articles. Um, it's not always, you know, a book, but mm -hmm. we love it. We okay. love it. And there's been times where, you know, we've had to put it on hold for whatever reason and they ask for it back. They're like, when can we, let's have a book club and it'll come from any, it doesn't have to just come from me, mm -hmm. but somebody might say, Hey, I think we should read this together mm -hmm. and talk about it. Let's have a book club. Wow. That is That's awesome. That's a sign. <laughs> yeah. That's a sign that it adds value. Right. Uh, so what's next for you? Great question. Yeah. Um, what do you aspire to? What's, what's in the future? Ultimately, I see myself as a chief marketing officer. Um, I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm working towards that goal, no. but um, that really it just fascinates me and continues to fascinate me. And I've just, it's just been, I feel like it's been leading me to that spot. Now that could change. You could ask me in a year and it might be something different. Mm -hmm. And so I'm leaving myself open to what's next because mm -hmm. it's worked for me so far to follow my gut and follow my things that I'm passionate about, make sure that I'm doing a good job with my actual role, but taking right. on extra stuff. And that's something that um, my former manager, Glenn Cathy, taught me when mm -hmm. he when I first started working with him. And he said, here's how I feel like you can get ahead. So if your manager is assigning task A and B to you, make sure you do a great job and do it on time and do it to the best of your ability, but start on C. Always mm -hmm. be thinking about what's next mm -hmm. and then take that extra step. Be proactive. And I tell my team the same thing. You know, if you want to move ahead, don't just stick with, okay, I did A and B, I guess I'm done now. But think through and, you know, it's not my manager's job to tell me, do this, do this, do this. He or she would be expecting me to think about what's ahead, mm -hmm. what's next, you know, and I think that's helped me propel my career of just never resting on my laurels, never just doing status quo, but always reaching, what else can I do with this? I love it. And um, it uh, goes along with the advice that I got early on, which is figure out what keeps your boss up at night oh, and solve it. Great. Right? So yes. that would be the C in your A, B, and C. Excellent. Yes. Um, and good. Well, we're almost to the end of our time, Allison. And is there anything else you'd like my listeners to know? Yes. So two things. First, don't email somebody when you're upset. I had to learn that the hard way because I can be very emotional uh -huh. and very into what I'm working on. Right. And so take a breath. Take is that a breath. What it is? Uh -huh. Walk outside. I uh -huh. literally will walk outside and because I work from home and uh -huh. I go to my deck and I just sit in the sun or I go and I pet my dog. I take a walk. I do something. Um, then when I'm calmed down, now I can effectively communicate uh -huh. without all of that emotion in there. Um, so I think that's one thing is just just check your emotions and so I think it's completely fine to have emotions and normal emotions mm -hmm. at work but it's how 
<laughs> how does that impact your ability to connect with people, to communicate, to be a leader, to be yeah. seen as a great leader? So that's, um, that's one. The other one is feedback. So in my role, I'm looking at content and giving feedback on a daily basis. There's content every single day. Um, I have learned that my approach, I've had to change my approach based on how I was making the recipient of my feedback feel. I was unintentionally making some people feel very bad because I had very detailed long lists of feedback and when delivered over email and the way I was doing it, it looked like pages of feedback. Wow. That's going to yeah. make the recipient, now of course I'm not intending to make somebody feel bad about their work, but if you open up an email from me and it's all of this list of things, you know, that's going to make you feel kind of bad, like wow, I'm really not doing a good job yeah. with this content. Yeah. So I have taken a different approach now. Um, even the way I, the feedback is laid out is more condensed. You know, and there's different ways that I do that now, or I'm not listing it out top to bottom. Um, but I'm picking up the phone more, and I think that that's just something that I hmm. learned is that with some with feedback, picking up the phone and talking it through is going to come across way different than just sending a big laundry list of stuff that you right. feel like is wrong with somebody's work. So right, right. it's I an love art that. and a science to feedback. It really so is. So important. <laughs> yep. Um, thank you for that. I think uh, great insights and great learnings. And uh, what you and I have discussed previously as well is that being a leader is hard. Yes. And I think sometimes, especially um, younger professionals who see a leader operating, they think it was a straight line to get from A to B yeah. to C to D, and it's not. And it's I not. think what you're you're just wonderfully transparent about the fact that there's there are some bumps along the way. You learn stuff, you mm -hmm. readjust, you pivot, uh, you maybe even change careers mm -hmm. or morph into a different version of what you've been doing, and um, and it's all good. Yeah. So. That's Thank right. you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. <laughs> that was really fun. See what I mean? What a dynamo. Definitely going places. And by the way, I have to credit a fabulous sourcing leader that I've worked with several times, Chris Gould, he's now with People Scout, for finding Allison and adding her to our team. He's a real talent spotter too, and I always want to give credit where credit is due. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it enlightening and interesting, especially for those of you aspiring to be TA sourcing and branding leaders. It's a subspecialty that's growing in impact and relevance, so think about it. And be sure to network with Allison if you think that's where you're headed. Until next time, I'd like to leave you with a quote that really touched my heart recently from a meme posted on LinkedIn by David Casey. He's CVS Health's Chief Diversity Officer. It said, "Live." Be curious, be thankful, be grateful, and enjoy the memories you're going to make. Words to live by, indeed, both personally and professionally. Thank you, David Casey. And thanks again to my listeners. There will be more episodes of Big Fish in the Talent Pool released very soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Fish in the Talent Pool. This podcast is independently produced in collaboration with ERE.net, and we would love to hear your feedback. You can email Aaron directly at E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N at people-results.com. You can also follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron McPeterson, connect with her on LinkedIn, and learn more about her practice at people-results.com.